So we're going to talk a little bit about self-awareness. And what we're going to dive into uh, this morning is what uh, Dr. John Gottman, University of Washington, calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We've shared this before here at City Church, but it bears repeating. Uh, the scripture says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God, not having heard. Just because you heard it one time doesn't necessarily mean you got it. So last week, we, 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 uh, last, the title of last week's sermon was, I'm in my feelings. This is a continuation of it. And we've been examining the life of Jonah. Even though Jonah was a prophet and outspeaker for God, Jonah had some issues, major emotional issues such as anger and temper tantrums, even though he was a vessel, an outspeaker for God. So we looked at Jonah chapter 1, where Jonah uh, chooses to avoid the issue rather than confront it, right? God says, hey, go down to Nineveh, confront those people that you don't like. The reason Jonah didn't want to go is because he said, God, I know you're going to have mercy on those people. You're a compassionate God. I want you to destroy them. Uh, sometimes God will send us to the people we despise because it's not only about redeeming them, he also wants to do a redemptive work in us. This wasn't just about Nineveh. God was trying to get Jonah to become more self-aware. Say, bruh, you got some anger issues. <laughs> and in order to deal with your anger issues, I'm going to send you to the people you don't like and tell them that there's a God who loves them. And that's one of the things we said. Is it possible that God is absolutely in love with people you don't like? Yes, he is. You hate him, despise him, blocked him on Facebook. But the same God who loves you, loves them. Ain't no way around it. And sometimes he'll send you to him. What we said is that in the word of God, God doesn't call us to retaliate, but he does call us to confront. In Genesis chapter 2 or Genesis chapter 3, God confronted Adam. Notice the question he asked Adam. Adam, where are you? That was a question to bring Adam into an awareness of himself. God knew where Adam was. Adam was getting, God was trying to get Adam to see if he recognized where he was. Adam, you're tripping. And baby, that's a good, that's a really good place to start. If you have a situation you need to confront, you can always start with a question. Good. Not, what's wrong with you? No, we that don't is do a question. that. But not like this. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha, I was gotcha, doing gotcha. some visual effects. Okay, You can bad. say, hey, remember, get your eyebrows up for those of you that are here for the very first time. If you frown like this, this thing will make you cuss. But if you get your, immediately when conflict happens, if you get your eyebrows up, it changes everything. So you can say, hey, is something going on? Hey, are you all right? Is there something we need to talk about? But if you've got to confront, that's a good non-confrontational way is to start with a question. No, very good. And so even God, we find God is a God of confrontation because he wants to bring us into a place of self-awareness. Same thing happened with uh, David and Nathan, right? David, now, he, he took Bathsheba, killed her husband, and he's sitting on the throne. And Nathan said, told him this whole long story, and David's like, man, y'all need to kill that dude. And Nathan said, bruh, 
you are that man. Confrontation helps us come into a place of self-awareness. It's not about getting somebody told. It's really about helping them see what they can't see for themselves. Are y'all with me? For those of us who think we know everything about your, ourselves, you're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, what does this bottle say? Can, and, well, front row. For, and I could argue all day that this bottle says, this bottle is recyclable, excludes label and cap. And you can argue all day, this bottle says Ozarka. And I can argue all day, this bottle says what it says. I can barely read it. Pastor, need glasses. This bottle is recyclable, excludes label and cap. Because there are things you see from where you sit that I don't see from where I sit. And guess what? We are both right. Because this bottle says Ozarka, and it also says what it says on its backside. And sometimes it takes somebody who is sitting on the Ozarka side to tell me, bruh, there's more to this bottle than what you can see. And it happens all the time in relationships. And we fight this tug of war over whether this bottle says Ozarka or whether it says something else. And we lose friends, we lose family members over our limited perspective. So, self-awareness. <clears throat> Dr. John Gottman, Brandon, says he can predict the health and the quality and the longevity of relationships based on the presence of these four factors. Are y'all ready? In fact, he said he can predict with 95% accuracy whether uh, a couple will stay together or not. In fact, yeah, let me, let me reiterate. This sleeve just keeps, I don't know. Something about this sleeve just bugging me. Say that, say that loud. Say that one more time. Your muscles are growing. Come on, somebody. I, I feel a remix coming. Y'all ready for the remix? Watch the clock, baby. Watch the clock. Watch, Watch the, the clock. clock. Okay. Yes, okay. okay. <clears throat> I felt it coming, though. You can do it today at baptism. I can do it today at baptism. Yes. Okay, I'll do it today at baptism. Okay, uh, four, four factors, four factors. Okay, y'all ready? I'll give it, I'll give I'll give you all the factors, and then we'll break it down for you. We'll let you out of here. Can you all give us 15 minutes, and we'll wrap it up? Is that okay? 15 minutes. Okay, so here we go. And if you're following along in you version, the notes are already there. Number one, criticism. Criticism. If you have a critical relationship or if you have a critical streak, John Gottman, and I can attest to it, uh, that relationship, whether it's marriage or courtship or just business or whatever, that interpersonal relationship, if there is a, a continual uh, and significant level of criticism, that relationship will not work. Now, notice what criticism is. It is attacking your partner's personality or character, usually with the intent of making someone right and someone wrong. It's not really based in the facts, but you are personally attacking that person. You use generalizations like, you always, you never. You're the type of person who, why are you so, you just like your daddy. I added that one, it wasn't in my notes, but it just. <laughs> Criticism. 
We attack our partner's personality or the person's personality or character, but the intent is to make someone right and someone wrong. Let me, let me, let me read this to you real quick. Let me read this real quick to, to, to you for another hour. We talking about Jonah, ain't we? So God has mercy on the city of Nineveh, just as he promised. Uh, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it, because God is a redemptive God. Notice verse 4. But it displeased, I mean, chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became very angry. Somebody say Jonah's in his feelings. All in his feelings. Because he didn't like what God did. Notice, Jonah was displeased with the will of God. And it continues, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I knew that you would be gracious and merciful. He's attacking God's character. He's saying the right things with the, the most venomous, contemptuous attitude and emotion. Yeah, you, 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 you pulled me all away from my house to come preach to these people and now you're not forgiving them. You know why? Because God, you're a gracious God and you're a merciful God and, and, and you're slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and you're one who relents from doing harm. He's becoming critical of God. And we are that way with people as well. Jonah was saying all the right things, but from a broken place. And how many of us today do the same things with the people in our lives where we're critical of how they are? Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me move forward because, because, because I, I want to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up quickly. Uh, the second thing that he talks about is contempt. Contempt. It's not just people who are critical, who cut you down to size with their words but people who hold you in contempt. What is contempt? Contempt is attacking your partner's sense of self-worth with the intention to insult or psychologically abuse them. You use insults and name-calling, hostile humor and sarcasm. Man, let me tell you something that I have very little tolerance for. Sarcasm. And I know that's sort of the, the, the language of this generation, to be sarcastic. I can promise you, keep on being sarcastic and your relationships will continue to suffer and dwindle. Use sarcasm with your spouse. Use sarcasm if you want to with your significant other. And it will negatively impact the quality of your relationships. Contempt can also be shown in your body language and your tone of voice, sneering, rolling your eyes, curling your upper lip. And ultimately what contempt is, is when you live on low simmer. And that's the way Jonah lived. Jonah held, held the entire city, the entire, the Assyrian nation, but the city of Nineveh in contempt. 
he, 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 he was in such a place of hardness toward the city that he would rather see God destroy the city than forgive them. You might be in contempt if you'd rather see someone hurt and in pain than see them redeemed and restored. And I know there's some people that might come to your mind right now that you say, man, I wish I ain't even going to say it. You're carrying contempt in your heart. And Wendy and I have been married long enough and done enough counseling sessions to know that two people can be in the same room in the same bed and have tremendous contempt one for the other. Despise each other. Tolerate each other because they haven't dealt with the contempt that they feel toward the other person. But the whole time, Jonah's going to church though. The whole time, Jonah is prophesying. Okay, let me give you number three. If you're gonna have quality relationships, you can't be critical. You gotta confront the contempt. And number three, gotta deal with defensiveness. Come on, somebody. You got to deal with the defensiveness. Now, 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 listen to what defensive, defensiveness is, according to Dr. John Gottman. He says, you see yourself as the victim, warding off a perceived attack. So can't nobody tell you nothing. Because as soon as somebody tries to say something constructive, ah, you pull out your violin. You don't know what happened to me. I can't believe everybody hates me. Nobody loves me anymore. And people are just trying to say something to help you, but the filter through which their words come is one of victimization. And if you live as a victim, what you have done is you have now taken away permission from the people who love you to speak truth to you. Because every time I try to tell you something, I'm a victim. I can't believe you're still hurting me. I heard you know. And we become defensive. And there are people who live their life with their dukes up, looking around for who's going to attack me next. And, and, and people are trying to get close to you. But defensiveness is like hugging a porcupine. And then you say, oh, but what's wrong with these people? I ain't got no friends. Don't nobody love me? But every time somebody tries to hug you now, then that, that porcupine thing, it starts poking, and people back away because you're defensive. And the people in your life who are trying to help you, you have given them, you have revoked their permission to speak the truth to you in love. Those relationships cannot, will not work. Last one, we're out of time, so I won't show in the text, but Jonah was guilty of every single one of these. Uh, uh, last one, stonewalling, stonewalling. Withdrawing from the relationship as a way to avoid conflict. Let me tell you further what stonewalling is. Partners may think they are trying to be neutral, but stonewalling conveys disapproval I see distance, separation, disconnection, and smugness. Uh, uh, stonewalling can be as expressed as stony silence. 
When that tug of war starts, you shut down. You don't say nothing. You look down, you look away, you ignore what your partner is trying to say to you. And let me tell you about that, huh? because most of us fit into one of these two categories. We're either going to fight or we're going to flee, right? That's, that's usually human nature, fight or flight. And some of us choose to flee by shutting down. And how many of you realize that just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's gone away. It's still there. In fact, while you are ignoring it, it is taking on a life of its own. It's growing because you're allowing it to fester. And that's why Paul said, don't allow the sun to go down on your wrath. When Wendy and I first got married, I'm a fight guy. Let's deal with it and move on. Let's talk about what we need to talk about and move on. Wendy was more of a flight person. She had to go to the other room. And then I'll follow her to the other room. But she's quick, though. Before I could get there, that door was locked. <laughs> I bang on the door. So leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Just because I had the Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk. Right. See, I wanted to be saved, but I want to fight and cuss too. So me fleeing is like, because I'm turning green. And I'm coming up with a whole, I want to be the victim, and I can't believe you did this. And I mean, it's, I'm feeling justified, and I'm going to let you have it. So I'm in the room like, oh, Jesus. Jesus, help me, because I just want to just open up. Like, one time we were arguing, and I said, you might have been born in Liberia, but you better die in America. I mean... Yes. And I True wasn't statement. even True like, statement. I wasn't even, I don't know what I was going to do, but I mean, I was just like, you know, that is so unattractive. It is so repellent, but it was so who I was. It was so, and so there was, that flight was, it was a war in my flesh because I'm like, Jonah, I'm going to church every day, hopping on one foot, praying in tongues, slinging oil on people, but I just want to cuss you out if you do something I don't like right. if you're, I'm married to you. See, everybody else, I just keep my eyebrows up and just, you know, try to be sweet little Wendy. And so that flight for me was to deal with me, but even in the room with the door locked, I didn't even know. You talking about no communication skills? Because I just thought, well, you just go to church and you just try to be real nice. I did. We weren't having this kind of teaching when I was in church. I just knew the do's and don'ts. So when I got married, I was completely ill-equipped with how to communicate, and everything he said was an attack. I perceived it as an attack, criticism. You don't like me. I mean, just throwing all kind of tantrums. And it wasn't that I wanted to be that way. Is I just did not have the tools I needed to communicate in a healthy way. And my heart wasn't healed. You know, my first husband, he left me for his ex-girlfriend and got her pregnant while we were still married. So I had a lot of, like, little baggage on me. Backpacks on front and the back. You know, dragging luggage. You know, a couple suitcases on top of my head. And I didn't realize that. I just had brought all this stuff but because we met in bible school i just thought if i knew the scripture and i cooked dinner and i just was nice so when conflict came it was like war and he would be so confused he like 
all I said was, and I mean, I just want to do like ninja kicks. I just, I don't just believe in destroying property, but it would just be <laughs> like crazy. So I wouldn't break dishes Any even though I wanted to. Out there, property don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But, you know, I wanted, because I just didn't even know what to do with all of this fire in me. It just, and that fire I have, guess what? That fire can stay up all night and pray. That fire did not know how to be channeled. That fire I have is not to fight him or to fight other people. It is to be able to war through prayer. I've learned what that fire, because I would feel like I was going to combust. It was so much rage in me. Right. And we've talked about that. So, 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 yeah. Can I jump in? Because that's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff right there. And, and so one of the things that came out of that, y'all, and we use this in premarital counseling when people come, uh, we, we do maybe two, well, depending on how the couples are, we can probably even do three sessions on conflict resolution. And so we encourage all couples, before you get married, write down your rules of engagement. Because conflict is inevitable. So if we're going to fight, we're going to fight fair. How many realize that all is not fair in love and war? There are certain things that are acceptable, certain things that are not acceptable. Even MMA, where they're beating each other up, there are certain things you can do, certain things you can do. In boxing, you can't hit below the belt. So every couple needs to have their rules of engagement. So our rules of engagement now, uh, Wendy, there are times when uh, now we understand that, I understand if Wendy needs time away to decompress, I let her do that. It's necessary for her. Early on in our marriage, I'll chase her down and try to force her to talk and resolve it. One of our rules of engagement is Wendy needs time to decompress. When she's done decompressing, which will be today though, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. We ain't fighting today. It's no, not, no. this is just an example. Yeah, that's just, just no, 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 we ain't fighting today. Clear my name. Yeah. I just we said ain't to clear today. my name. Yes. But because what? I've been given that space, I don't have to retreat as often or as long. Right. I don't. I don't think I've had to retreat in no. a while. Look it's at been defensive. Years. It's no. It's been years. It's been years. Wendy also knows if you're gonna get anything out of Paso, you gotta manage that volume though. Yes. <laughs> Five or six. Yes. <laughs> Nine, ten. I shut down, man. You, you, I shut, you can't get nothing out of me. Nothing. He'll start just speaking Liberian English. He'll suck his teeth. <laughs> and he'll just be talking under his breath. And he'll be like, and then he'll just tell himself, okay, okay, okay. And then, you know, you kind of get there. It's like, yeah, you don't want to make the nice guy mad. So then I just like, that's what I said. But I hurry up and shut it down. All right, so we're about to wrap it up, for reals. Did I give you all four? Stonewalling? Okay, so look at in the... I promise you I'm going to wrap this up. We're we're wrapping it up. Look at at verse 3. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 3. We're going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it. It says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is Jonah being a victim. God is saying, look, I was merciful to this pe- these people because I'm a redemptive God. And he said, I'd rather die than live. You know how, you know how sometimes how we get dramatic? That's what Jonah's doing. 
He is being a victim. And part of being defensive is seeing yourself as a victim and saying, God, look what you did to me. I would rather be dead. Now, notice. Ten seconds. Uh-huh. Some of you have been victimized. True. We are not saying to ignore, we're not minimizing abuse, we're not minimizing that at all. What we are highlighting is the need for you to work that out, whether it's in professional counseling, keep coming to church, uh, surrendering it to the Lord. So we are not minimizing the trauma that some of you have experienced. What we want to highlight is just guarding your heart and releasing that. Sometimes you can, some people, they can just do an all-out let go. Some of us, it's just like a little bit at a time. And so don't hear us say, oh, just forget that crazy, extreme abuse. That is not what we're saying. We, We are saying is work on your heart. Be the healthiest you for the people that do deserve you. If you have been abused as a child or an adult or victimized, we aren't saying jump on the phone and call them. We don't want you to place yourself in harm's way. But for moving forward in a healthy manner, that's what we want to focus on is how you can seal that wound up and move on in a healthy way and just release them to God. Very good. Very, very good. And that's what we're going to talk about really next week, right? Because we're out of time. Uh, we want, really want to talk about the remedies, right? If you ever find yourself in one of these four categories, right, where, where you're, you're critical, right? Uh, maybe you're, you're wrestling with contempt. Maybe you, your whole life you've been defensive and you see yourself as a victim or everything that someone says as an attack on you and therefore you can't receive constructive criticism or words of correction, or if you stonewall, you just shut down completely when conflict arises. Next week, we're going to talk about the remedies, but look at, look at what Jonah did. After he says, I'd rather die, verse 4, look, notice what God says. The scripture says, then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? This is God confronting Jonah. Coming face to face with Jonah. Is it right for you to be in your feelings? Like this, about the good that I've done for the city of Nineveh. And notice Jonah's response. Verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. Did Jonah respond to God's question? Did Jonah answer what God was asking him? Did Jonah come face to face with his own issues? Rather than answer God, once again, he chose flight. Just as he ran to Tarshish, God is saying, Jonah, is it right for you to be tripping like this? One moment you were my prophet and now you're being petty? He didn't want to deal with that. So guess what he did? He packed up all his toys, didn't answer God, and went to the east side of the city and started pouting. And that's the way most of us are. Because God was bringing Jonah into a place of self-awareness and he was unwilling to deal with himself. In fact, in the original Hebrew, this is what it says. Jonah, why are you angry? And I believe with all my heart that when God confronts us, we either make excuses for why we are the way we are, or we run from the answer that we already know. When he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? 
Adam said, man, look, it's the woman you gave me. Not only is it Eve's fault, but it's your fault too because you gave me this woman. None of this was happening when I was in the garden by myself. And sometimes in our defensiveness, we blame others. And sometimes in our defensiveness and our stonewalling, we run away from the answer altogether because sometimes the answer is too hard for us to confront. Jonah, why are you mad? Because you saved the Ninevites. No, Jonah, why are you mad? Well, because you're merciful. No, 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 no. Jonah, why are you really mad? Why are you really mad? Because me being a God who is kind and gentle and compassionate shouldn't be something that's making you this mad. So, Jonah, I know you're sitting on your bags on the east side of the city, but let's talk about this, bro. Why are you really mad? It ain't really about me saving the Ninevites. What's really, what's really bothering you? No, I see how mad you are, but you can't be this mad just about the trash. I, I, I know you cussing me out, but it can't just be because I didn't eat all the lasagna. Why are you really mad? And most of us, like Jonah, don't answer. We hide on the other side of the city. But this is what I love about this story. It's because God is redemptive and he follows Jonah where he is so that he can bring Jonah to a place where he can deal with himself. Father, we pray that you will seal this word in our hearts. God, we thank you, first of all, that you are...